Hello, hello, Molly Herford back again on the Business of Fitness podcast here on the Women's Performance Podcast, part of the Feisty Media Network. And today we have a bit of a feisty crossover episode for you, uh, but one where you're going to hear from a, uh, a feisty podcaster about something completely different than what she podcasts about. So we have Katherine Taylor, who you may know from Girls Gone Gravel, her awesome show. But did you know that Katherine is also a business branding expert and also Feisty Media's chief of staff and brand manager. So today we're talking all about how to really hone your messaging, whether you're trying to start a new business or if you've been operating one for years and years. We're talking about how to get clear on your messaging in general, but then also how to bring that messaging to your website. We have a ton of actionable advice for how to make your homepage really stand out and really catch people's eyes at first glance, how to get people to stay there longer, to actually dig into what you do. And let me tell you, it is all about the fewest words, but they can't just be any words. There's a lot that goes into deciding exactly how you're phrasing things. So this episode was just so many amazing tangible takeaways for me. Uh, I will let her explain more of it. Um, but if you haven't already, also make sure you're checking out the Outspoken Summit. It's happening November 11th to 13th in Tempe, Arizona. It's going to be such a blast. So many amazing speakers talking about all of this kind of business stuff. Uh, also more of like the mental side of things with leadership and, you know, just how to be less less afraid to just get started. So that's going to be an amazing weekend. Definitely check it out if you're thinking about trying to really boost your business or finally take that plunge into starting a business. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Katherine Taylor. Okay, Uh Katherine Taylor, I would say, I want to say like, welcome to the business of fitness, but I feel like it's almost weird welcoming such a well-known podcaster to another podcast, but nonetheless, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I like that you called me a well-known podcaster with the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. Hey, that is a well-known podcast. Thank you very much. It's a well-known podcast in a very niche world, but we live in that niche world, so Exactly, exactly. And funny enough that that actually isn't what we're here to talk about today. I mean, we could record a whole podcast on podcasts, which we did in a very meta way with Sarah Gross, the founder of Feisty Media and talking about the Women's Performance Podcast. Uh, but you actually wanted to talk to you about uh, what you do at Feisty and you know your your role as a brand manager and all about how people can improve their websites which let's be honest is very important no matter what job you're like what what small business you work in in the fitness space so how did you end up in your position with feisty media yeah so my official position now is chief of staff for feisty media which means all the brands basically i oversee all the brands and make sure things with uh the programs that they're getting sold, they're getting marketed, that we're having the right communication, putting the right messaging out there, and that just everything is moving along. Uh, so I started just helping manage uh, a couple of the brands. One was the menopause brand when we launched that. And I do basically anytime we are going to launch something new or we're going to create a new product, I take it back and help build and create that product and then look at the messaging and how we're going to sell that product and how we're going to build a community around it. So that's my role in a nutshell, but it's a small, it's a startup. So my role is also like 28 other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, which leads to the question of like, what is a normal day like for you? And I know, I know the answer is no day looks the same, <laughs> but uh, give us sort of the breakdown because I think all of that, you know, you can kind of hear it, but you don't necessarily know exactly what all of that means when we're talking about tangible, like what are you sitting down and doing? So what's the day? Yeah, uh, a lot of what my days look like are writing. So right, like looking at what is coming up, what are we going to sell? Like I do a lot of our email campaigns uh, or uh, helping to put together events and um, kind of taking it back to the overview of the event. We have a, somebody on staff, Ella, that really helps us run those things or a Amy Ross that does a lot of the like details of the event, but it's more like, Who's, who are we going to sell this to? Who's the audience? How are we going to com communicate that? How are we going to market it? What are all the assets we need? And then writing out all those assets. So my job goes through phases. Like it'll be really, really busy in seasons that we have. Like right now we have 
a bunch of things coming out toward the end of the year. So I'm really busy all day, every day, kind of writing marketing. The other times of the year, I try to step back and go, how do we build our community? How do we grow our email lists? What things are we doing to to just make sure that we we have the people that want to hear from us within our network and that it's not owned by just we're depending on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook groups because you don't own that audience at the end of the day. So how do we own the audience? So so those are the broad strokes of what I do. And and my like I love that my day. I'm a very um my best work happens in the morning. So I get up very early, work for a few hours, go to CrossFit, then typically have a lot of calls and then maybe do some admin stuff in the afternoon, like with the technically of how my day looks. So, yeah. I love that. Um, I And actually, I wanted to ask you, as you started talking about that, the creativity in writing when you're talking about copy for like email campaigns, like, and maybe this is going to come up later when we talk about how people go wrong with their website, but like, oh my gosh, email campaigns are, let's be honest, just the worst. Um, They're so hard to write. It's so hard to write exciting copy, no matter how exciting the subject matter is. Uh, And to have to do that, you know, day in and day out. And, you know, when you're working with all these different brands, how do you maintain creativity in these very sort of like by the book like chunks of the more like markety focused stuff. Cause you do such a great job with that. Uh, it really goes back to understanding who your customer is and what problem you're solving for them. And that's the biggest mistake that people make is they don't understand what problem they're solving. And I'm, I've followed Donald Miller for a long time. He had a brand called story brand and then it's now business made simple. And I actually became a certified guide for them probably about five years ago. So I went through all of their copywriting, marketing, all of that training. Uh, It was a big investment, but it really taught me, you have to go, you have to really understand your customer. You have to understand what problem you're solving for them. And that's actually really exciting in what we get to do because um, especially, for example, in our menopause brand, there haven't been a lot of things that have solved that problem for women. And so when you can really hone in on like, what exactly is this going to deliver for them? And then, and then you just, there's, you know, like three, three to five different sales emails that you always want to be writing. Um, so a lot of times I flush out all of the emails and then I'll go back to them and then I'll go back to them again. And then I'll send them to Celine to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Have the the good people on, on staff who can also uh, double check your work and like look yeah. it over and give it maybe a little, little bump or extra flair. Um, I think what I'm hearing is that like having that why uh, really helps not just like having the why as like the what is the problem, but like also believing very deeply in the work that you're doing and like the problem that we're solving with these different brands, right? Like actually feeling for the women who are dealing with these issues in menopause and wanting them to improve. I think that that really makes it so much easier to write compelling copy, right? Yeah. And I think everybody in this audience that would listen to this podcast, like you started a business because there's a product that you saw there's, you're solving a problem and you had a passion for it, but it can be really easy. There's so many like dude, bro copywriting things where they're like, follow this formula, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is the six. I'm like, probably what you were saying. I'm like, I've read that same email 500 times because somebody took like dude marketing course 101. And they're just copying that format. And it's actually a lot harder to, to know your audience, know what their problem is, and really kind of go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, this is an interesting question because I literally had a, a client call about this today because I've been doing a little bit of copywriting on the side. And I was arguing with the guy who like <laughs> owns the email marketing, like, or the like online shop and email marketing and stuff. And he was like, every newsletter we have to send has to be a sale. Like it yeah. has to have a sell. Thank you. <laughs> no, and I would say you want 80% of your content to be just really good content that you're putting out there. And then a really solid sales campaign for 20% of what you do. Um, because you just like oversell to the audience if you do that and they get fatigued. They're like, every single thing I get from you is going to be a sale. And it's kind of the, if you are, you know, a retail store, yes, every email you put out is going to be a sale because that's what people are coming to you for. But why are people coming to you? Um, 
And the more that they trust you as the expert and the subject, as the, the person that can guide them along the path to solve their problem, the, the easier it is to make that sale at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even retail stores, especially in, in our industry, right? Like if you're a running store, you can yeah. pretty easily have an email that maybe has a couple links to certain sales things, but it can absolutely be yeah. a non-sales email. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of that when they're kind of crafting their, uh, you know, strategy for emails. So glad we got to, got to wrap on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a lot of times we'll have something that's very light in one of our newsletters that's, you know, like what's happening in our membership this month. Uh, it can drive you to us, but it's not a hard sell of anything. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So. I don't think it's wrong to have in every newsletter a like soft sell, um, you know, a mention of your products. But I think, yeah, if you lead with like a hard sell every single time, that's like the fastest way to get unsubscribes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tafosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tafosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. 
It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein, like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. Um, okay. So I might have to, we're almost going to have to back up to answer this question, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, since I know messaging is this huge thing for you. And obviously with, uh, with going through story brand and stuff, I've read, uh, some of Don Miller's stuff and it's fantastic. We'll have to include a link maybe to the story brand book and oh. the show notes. Cause that's such a great resource. Um, but what the heck is messaging exactly? Like, I think it's one of those things, buzzwords that we toss around very casually, but like, what the hell does it actually mean? <laughs> Yeah, I think for brands, uh, what that means is is communicating, and I know I'm going back to like how you solve the problem for people, but really how you solve that problem for people in the most clear way possible. Uh, because when somebody comes to your website, or if they're reading your email, or even if they see your social media post, you've got their attention for three to seven seconds, and if you can't communicate what exactly it is that you do that connects with what they need. And that three to seven seconds, like the scroll is just going to continue. They're going to go on. And so, so when I think of messaging within this context, it's people understanding how your product or service solves their problem. Love it. And I think it also kind of includes a little bit of, of your point of view, right? Like the, the feisty menopause, for example, isn't just solving the, you know, issues that women face during menopause. It's doing so in this like very fun, kicky way that shows that women are still like kicking ass, right? It's not trying to be this very like gentle, soothing kind of vibes. Um, it's very like in your face and like, we're going to talk about this and put this out here and we're going to like laugh and cry. And it's going to be this like experience. So I think it, it's also very much about like getting your, your personality kind of infused in it. Otherwise it would just be, you know, how many, how many like people are talking about, okay, not that many people are talking about menopause, but a lot of people are talking about triathlon or gravel, but the feisty brands do that in a very different way, a very distinct way. Yeah. You, one of the best things you can do if you're starting something is, and you'll see this everywhere, but create your ideal customer. Like who is she or he or they, what, you know, what do they like? Uh, what are their interests? What, what's their personality like? Like, like go as detailed, like make it fun, go as detailed as you can. And then you're talking to that person. And so with, within feisty, we know we want the, the people that are, that are feisty, that are kind of okay with pushing the envelope of things that aren't playing with that victim mentality. You know, we want to have compassion, but we also are like, Hey, we have ownership of our bodies. We, you know, are empowered. And, and that's, a. I know Sarah hates that word <laughs> really. Like it's that, um, there's a big culture of empowerment, of feisty of like, we're not victims. We have control. We have the onus. We can learn, educate ourselves, all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really love the idea of kind of creating your own avatar. I think that's a great assignment for anyone right now, whether you have a business or you're thinking about starting one, like go make your, make your little character avatar. Uh, and honestly, I would like, I would hit up Canva and find like clip art that makes sense yeah. for your avatar. Like have a little collage. If you've never done this before, 
make that person and print it out so you have it like right on your desk. So every time you're composing an email, that's who you're writing it to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, okay. So another part of what you do is a lot of the copy for all of the, the feisty sites, which I mean, oh my gosh, there are legion at this point. Uh, I don't know how you manage to keep up with all of, the, all of it. You do an amazing job. But uh, because of that, though, you've gotten to see so many different sites, you know, as you're creating them, as you're just kind of bouncing around the, the fitness space. So I wanted to ask when you first like bounce onto someone's website, whether we're talking yoga studio, podcast, like magazine, whatever, what, uh, what do you notice first when you're looking at a business's site? The first thing I notice is their tagline at the top of the page. So does it say what exactly they do? Um, and then give a little bit of explanation on that. Or this is my biggest pet peeve. We might have talked about this actually once. I know I've talked to somebody else about this. If you're a race director and your website doesn't say when your freaking event is. Oh, and where, by the way. And where. I've spent so much time looking for that on race director sites. So um, I just look right away is this place, is this website for me? Um, and even before I worked for Suffice, I helped lots of small businesses and, and all kinds of different spaces build their messaging. So I've done everything from like somebody that puts a security system in to somebody that does affordable housing to a woman that was doing an online course for kit, um, moms of multiples. And every, it's the same pattern every single time. Like the first thing should be, what do you do? very clearly. Yeah. I love that. Any advice for coming up with taglines though? Because I will tell you for me, this is the killer. I think I've said it on feisty Slack is like, I could write you an 8,000 word essay. No problem. But tell me to come up with like 10 words that explain that same thing. And I'm just, I'm hiding under my desk. <laughs> yeah. It, it is the, that tagline is the hardest thing to come up with. And it usually takes days and like iterations. And even after we've done it, we'll go back and iterate on it again, especially if we're launching something new and we get to know our audience a little bit more right now, we're getting ready to launch them in a pause summit. It'll, it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out, but we've had a web, a landing page up for about a week and a half. And I was like, I looked at the, the tagline yesterday and I was like, I don't think that actually is the tagline we want, even though we spent, I probably spent, you know, a half day working on it before. Uh, so it, it just, people get so much pressure to have it perfect at first, I think. And you're, as you know, your audience, and as you see how they respond, it is going to iterate. Um, that being said, I think that the, the biggest thing you can do is to say, I solved this problem by this, right? And yep. so if, if you can like, even just write out a statement, like, here's the problem I'm solving and I do it this way. Um, then you'll be able to flush out that tagline. And then also uh, another thing that's really helpful is um, just looking up synonyms in the dictionary. <laughs> I love it. Okay. When you're thinking up a tagline, I want the, the nitty gritty here. Do you have like a giant poster board of paper or whiteboard where you're just like writing keywords out? Do you do it in a doc? What's your, what's your process look like? Um, Usually, so this is the kind of work that I like to do really early in the morning before I'm getting Slack messages and stuff. And usually I just have a blank sheet of, of paper, uh, printer paper, and I just start writing, you know, like I'll go through a little process that I've I've learned through StoryBrand and you can actually go on to their site and it'll take you through a free iteration of that. I'll get a link for the show notes. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it'll kind of take you through this process. And so I'll go through the process of going, you know, who is, who's my customer? What's their problem? Okay. How do we come alongside them? Like, what do we have to offer them? How, how do we solve their problem? And then uh, if they, you know, what are the good and bad results of them being a, like joining us? And so I'll go through that and then I'll start going, okay, here are different ways that I think that we could say that in a very concise and a sentence. So usually I have like a sentence and then a little tagline for that sentence that maybe describes that. Um, so for example, for Girls Gone Gravel, um, it's a community for women chasing their epic and everyday adventures. And then it says uh, something like podcast, like, uh, podcasts, events, 
and written content to help women along their journey. Something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head because I haven't worked on that one in a while, but it's the one that, you know, I created that from scratch. So it's ingrained in me the most, but, you know, um, it, it, and that, and I almost changed that epic and everyday adventures tagline, but I saw how much that connected with women because they're like, yes, I want to feel like I'm going on an adventure. Okay. Well then how do we help them accomplish that? And those are the, the ways that we do it. Um, that are underneath that. That makes oh, sense. I love it. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I like that you also pointed out that taglines can change, though. So it's not yeah. that we're we're not locked into any one of these. And I think like that also happens just as your brand evolves, right? Like things are going to shift, and it's okay to to change your tagline along with it. Um, the other thing I heard you say though is like you spend a lot of time on this, and I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of sitting down and committing to that just like creative juices flowing kind of thing especially where you're you're quote unquote just trying to get a sentence out of this right like it's so it's so tempting to someone like me who wants to check off all the boxes in a day and get everything done to just like boom here's like a kind of concept like done send it off um cut print like whatever uh how do you how do you give yourself that space to actually spend the time on it when I know for a fact that you have probably, you know, a bunch of Slack messages that are waiting for you at the same time. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like to have that space where I just like brainstorm everything and put it out. And then I'll, I'm a very, like, I just kind of ponder on things for a few days. So like a lot of us, I've heard on several of your podcasts, people are like, I came up with this awesome idea in the shower or on a bike ride or on a walk. And so a lot of times I'll just like get kind of the vomit, <laughs> I call it on paper, like all the ideas, and then I'll just stew on it for a few days. And so, um, you know, but you do have to create that space in your life. So sometimes if I'm trying to, um, if we're launching something new or I'm trying to work on something big, I will make sure that I add time in my day that where I take my dog on a longer walk or I go for a hike or I go for a ride because I know those are the places that I'm going to be, have that time to stew and, and be creative. And, um, you know, we, we have to get over that work just happens from the nine to five in the desk <laughs> to idea. Um, because yeah, yeah. It's like, where, where's your, some people, maybe that's how they work, but not me. So mm-hmm. I, I, I had to give myself that permission over the years. I love that because normally I think we've had like this push in the last like year or whatever to separate our our work and our life, like because you know people have been spending too much time at work. But I think you're also making this really good point that you know maybe our work lives would actually be easier if we kind of let everything flow a little more naturally rather than trying to compartmentalize like okay this is where this goes and this is where this goes so therefore like I can't wake up at 10 p.m with a great idea and write it down because like work needed to be at the office yeah Yeah, I think that doesn't work when you're a small business owner like I think there are really important times for you to to take off and uh you know have that free space but you're all like you're this is your baby and you're always thinking about it um it's it's not like you know, if I worked for Amazon and I punch in and out, all the, the people that I know that are at the upper, upper levels of those companies, they also don't put those boundaries on, you know, cause they're leading the companies in those levels. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think for me, work has always been very like, we're going to have really busy seasons and I know it's going to be, you know, a lot, and then we're going to have some down seasons. And during those down seasons, I take more like of those, I'm going to take an extra day off. I'm going to like finish up early. But I, I, even when I first worked for a company doing marketing, um, I was training for an Ironman at that time. So this was like 11 years ago. And um, there was a big 50 meter pool that would be open in the summer by my house. And when we would get stuck on a creative concept, my boss would be like, uh, do you have a swim workout today? Because you always come back from your swim workouts, like you've solved it or you've come up with the idea. And I'm like, oh, I do. Because you're just staring at a the bottom of the pool for, you know, an hour. I have always said I've gotten my best ideas in the pool. It's why like every year, like every year, if I, do, if I'm not training for a triathlon, I'm like, oh, I need to get back in the pool because something about like just pretending you're in a fishbowl and just head down <laughs> and just doing laps. Like 
not yeah. I don't count them. I refuse to count them. I'm just just swimming. It's so good for just opening up your mind. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Love that. So. Okay, so here's another kind of question about this. And I was going to ask about the organization of it. And I want to ask about that. But I also want to ask, like, in your head, you have all of the different brands under Feisty and they all have their different flavors and vibes. Do you kind of work on all of them simultaneously? Or, I mean, I guess probably part of the answer is it depends. But in general, like, are you are you compartmentalizing like, okay, Monday I do all assets for Feisty Menopause? Or is it like... <laughs> in just- my dream world, that would happen. But yep. uh, no, it's... Uh- And every brand, like we're trying to get better at making sure that there aren't so many things stacked on top of each other with the brand. So that does give us some time (laughs) to work on things, but yeah, um, I, I wish I did. And, and I, I always set my schedule up that way for the week, but it doesn't ever happen. (laughs) No, of course not. So how do you keep it all straight organizationally when you're bouncing between projects and deadlines and everything? Uh, yeah, it's not as hard as it seems because everything does relate and I just kind of know my deadlines and, and work off of those. And what's actually harder for me is, is not when there's something with a deadline is when we're like, okay, that season where we're just trying to build our email list or we're doing stuff that doesn't have a definite, you know, like this has to be done now because I kind of like the, the, um, the hecticness and the, you know, get it done. Um, so just that regular day to day. That's why I like building startups, you know, at some point yep. I'm like, ah, okay, this is, yeah. this is too consistent. I need to move on to something else to help build. And, and I had to accept that about myself that I'm never going to be the person that goes and works for Coca-Cola and does the same thing. Like I, I would like, when I've tried to do that kind of work within six months, I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed I need to actually give myself deadlines for projects and and believe them. I think the self like the believing the in your own like fake deadline is the everyone always says like, oh, just give yourself a deadline. But like, no, you have to actually believe it's a deadline. Um, so I, I have found that's helpful, although only to a point. Um, yeah, I, it helps. I think if you if you're doing this as a small business, right, like and you're you're saying, OK, I want to build a new website. If you put it out there and you're like, we're launching a new website, you know, always give yourself two more weeks than you think it's going to take. Um, especially if you're working with a designer, maybe give yourself four more weeks than you think it's going to take. But if you are like, just kind of put it out there, it does force you to work on a deadline for things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what are your, what are your like task management tools? Do you use anything to keep deadlines or are you a GCAL person? Are you a to-do list person? What's your personal brand of things? Yeah. I wish I had a better system, but I just write it down. <laughs> I keep trying to use notion, but, um, I'm just, I, I'm just liking that we didn't have all those tools growing up. So it's hard. You are, I think, the third guest who has said, I've been trying to use Notion. I think we all have this idea because like, we see the beautiful Notion templates and they look so good. And I deeply wish I could do it. I, you need to interview a 20-something. I think they really love Notion. Okay, here's my problem with it. It doesn't have calendar capabilities. There's I no know. time management on it. And to me, that's just like, nope, can't do it. It just makes no sense. But yes, I do need to find a notion person since apparently we all want to be doing it. <laughs> I know, but, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's kind of my, right? Like Exactly, exactly. I mean, clearly you're keeping it together. <laughs> that, I think that's another thing that I found is when you don't know what to do and when like the work is mentally challenging, like figuring out how to write this copy, the default easiest thing to do is to create a system instead of like doing the work. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. The planning to plan. Um, yes. And yeah. I see that with a lot of, especially young people starting out is they want the perfect plan. And sometimes you just got to get shit done. I was like, can I cuss? But I'm like, wait, it's a feisty podcast. I could cuss. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And I find that often. Yeah. Like if I'm putzing on a deadline, I will spend probably hours of my time has been wasted in my like to-do list software, just like moving things around while I'm like 
this deadline is approaching and I'm not getting things done. I'm moving things around to like make the space to like do the thing next week instead when I could have just gotten the thing done. And it always takes less time than you think. Okay. I feel like that's actually contrary to popular advice, but I do think it's true. Like the task that you're dreading is probably easier than you think it is. And usually once you just do it for five minutes, you're in, you're fine. (laughs) I heard somebody several years ago, she said that um, you, you tend to give yourself way more time than you need for a task. And so if you actually just say, I'm going to work on this, I literally just did this. I have been putting off this request for proposal for a uh, fundraising thing we're putting in for the gravel festival. And I was like, I need the whole day, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, I am doing it right now. And I've got this hour, I'm going to do it. And I had it 90% finished within the hour. (laughs) And so you really, it takes a lot of times less time than you think. Um, And then it was like, okay, well, it's 90% done. It's easy to go back to now and just polish it off instead of I've just put it off. And and I end up like watching YouTube videos of like the latest algorithm updates to to YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, because I must know what the latest algorithm update is right now. Of course. Yeah, naturally. Uh, we have to know, um, even though it's going to change in like 10 minutes and there's going to be another video to watch. <laughs> um, okay. So a lot of people, we've now talked about, uh, you know, having someone developing your website a couple of times, but we talked about this offline for a minute. If you're just starting out, it's also not the worst idea to just kind of DIY your own website, I think, especially as you're getting started, because even if you do end up going for a pro like website development later, at least then you've maybe spent some time figuring out what you do and don't want or like what does and doesn't work for your audience. So, I mean, for someone who's just kind of starting out or is maybe like rebranding or like relaunching their business, where would you start in the like building a website? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people start with design and then they get really overwhelmed. And I would say the design is secondary. Um, it's actually the content that you want to start with. So the very first thing I do is uh, I do what's called a wireframe. And that is basically, I'm just taking every page on the website and I'm putting like, I literally draw like this section and I write the co- copy. You can use an online tool for this. I've used some online tools in the past when I've worked with clients, but if I'm just doing it for myself, the first draft is going to be just big piece of paper, put lines and like, this is the header. and this is, you know, going to be that, that line and that tagline. And then underneath the header, I'm going to do a little something that's going to talk about our problem that we're solving. And then underneath that, you know, I might have a testimonial or I might have a process of how you work with us. And so you need, you actually need a lot less copy than you think on a website, a lot less copy. People look at your website. There should not be that much copy on because people scan, they don't read. So keep that in mind. So the the having just like very clear, you know, what you do, amplifying that problem for people. So they're interested in buying a little bit of, um, you know, cap- social capital, whether that's testimonial or showing like um, uh, logos of brands you've worked with or individual, you know, having somebody's testimonial up there and then a very clear, how do they work with you? And people mess this up all the time. It's like, that's huge. Yeah. Um, you want to have a very clear call to action on your website and learn more is not a very clear call to action. Um, and it's, it's really hard for people to do. And it's usually like buy now, book a call, schedule an appointment, um, visit our store, um, whatever that is. It's, it's, it's an action, not a soft sell. Um, yeah. and so I go through and I like, where is all that going to land on the website? And if you go to the feisty site, you'll see they all follow kind of the same pattern of that. And then I go in and I do the design piece. And before I worked with feisty, now we have this amazing designer, Ellen, that does most of our sites. Um, but if you go to girls gone gravel, like that's, I created that site. Um, and there's a handful of other small business sites that I've created using Squarespace. Cause I think, I find it to be super easy for mm-hmm. most things. 
Yeah, definitely Squarespace is great, especially if it's you're not planning on doing really intensive blogs or things like that. Um, I'll be team WordPress forever when it comes to like <laughs> blog type stuff, although they're not great for podcasts. So there is that. <laughs> yeah, we do actually a lot of blogging on uh, our Squarespace site and it, it does quite well with the, with the, um, you know, the traffic that comes to it. And it's, it's just one of the things that I find with WordPress is people are like, oh, well, WordPress is free. And it's not actually free because no. you have to pay for all the plugins. You have to pay for the hosting. You have to keep it up to date. And and that's what people are sometimes bad at doing is this plugins change. Like every week you have to update plugins. Oh, yeah. Um, and that slows down your site. It could stall, stall out your site. And so that's why I really like Squarespace for a lot of small businesses is because they pay like, I don't know what it is now, maybe $279 a year. And it takes care of everything for you. Um, yeah. I think at this point, like I, I actually can't think of a single like legitimately free option that would give you like a decent looking sort of space for a small business. Like you sure you can do like a free WordPress if you're just blogging as an athlete and you don't care if it's going to be like your name at dot wordpress.com, um, or blog spot or whatever. But if you, don't do that. Yeah. That's, that's another tip. As soon as you have an idea, go buy the URL. They're 10, they're usually like eight to $10 for the URL and don't put something out there and then be like, Oh shoot. I wish I had that URL, um, to back that up. Um, you can always like any entrepreneur probably owns like 30 URLs because <laughs> they're like, I had an idea. I'm going to buy that URL. Um, and you can go to GoDaddy to buy those. And then, like I said, things like, like I keep my URL separate because I don't want it to be tied to Squarespace if I ever have to leave that. So it's just a redirect through, through mm -hmm. GoDaddy. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I find, you know, if you're a coach trainer, all those kinds of things, you can put a lot of the tools in to something like a Squarespace where you can book appointments or send you emails. I've never, they have an e-commerce that I've never used on there. If you're strictly e-commerce, Shopify is obviously the most robust, but their blogging platform is terrible. Yep. Um, and they're, they don't have a great design platform. Um, a lot of people like Wix, but I just don't know what the functionality is around Wix. Yeah. I use Wix for my like mollyherford.com, which is just basically my online resume. And that I would say it's okay for where it's very stat, like pretty static. I update it a few times a year as needed, but it's very much a like, here's who I am and what I do and like links to stuff, but I would not be building a website in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to like, look at what, what functionality do I need on a site. So like, I want to sell some products. I want to like have clients contact me. I want to be able to book appointments and then find out if that platform can handle that functionality and then how you can design on that. And, you know, Wix, Squarespace, all of those are now drag and drop editors. They make it so easy. Um, and then you can, you know, if you want to hire somebody, you, you already have like all those pieces of here's the content. You're not going back, back and forth, you know, 50 times on content, which just adds up the hourly rate. Um, and then the other thing that I really like, I used to have clients do is to create a Pinterest board, which I don't really use Pinterest, but like, what colors do you like? What look do you like? What are other? So when you, when you decide to work with a designer, or even if you're going to do it yourself, you're not like, hmm, if I want to use this color instead, like you've already done all that groundwork. And then it's going to take less time to do it or cost less money because you're just able to hand your designer a package. And then you're just doing tweaks, right? Because anytime you do the copy and then you see it on the website, you're like, eh, that doesn't look right. I need to change a few words because it's way too long or it's it's not hitting when I see it. But it's, mm -hmm. it's so much less work than when you try to start from scratch and you don't have anything ready. This is maybe like kind of off the wall because I know this is not like a hundred percent year. Like main things we're talking mostly about the writing and the content, but where do you like, where do you fall on like photos for the website? Can people still get away with like stock photos? Do we want decent, you know, photos of you? Like what have you seen? That's like, makes sense. So, uh, 
photos are a way to tell to communicate success. If, if somebody comes to you, so say you're uh, a triathlon coaching brand, but you're somebody that really wants to work with women of all shapes and sizes, and you want people to feel like it's an inclusive community. If you have a skinny white woman in your photo, that's like, obviously like running as hard as she can, you've not communicated success. So stock photos have gotten better and better. Unfortunately, we have to use a lot of them sometimes uh, because they are hard to get and you have to get a lot of permissions from people. But if you can find and use your own photos, a lot of times uh, that's going to be the best. And like, if you go to girls home gravel, there are pictures I took out on gravel rides and asked people, I mean, we had a photographer at our festival, so we're changing some of them, but they're all pictures I've taken when I'm out on rides. And I, and I try to think about, you know, if this, like, if you go to the cover image there, it is not like a badass cyclist head down. It's a group of women that are all, you know, sizes and, and just having fun out on a ride. And so, um, so yeah, I think it is worth an investment in photos, but if you can't make that to start, think about what is a photo or what can I use that's going to communicate the who I'm trying to attract? Um, you know, there's, we have a, the paid version of Canva, which is like $119 a year. And it's so oh, worth it's it. nothing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Cause you get all the, like tons of stock photos in there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's worth it for the stock photos alone. Like forget yeah. everything else you get with Canva. Like, by the way, this is not sponsored by Canva, but like, oh my gosh, get Canva. It's the greatest thing you will ever do. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should go to Canva for some sponsorship. I know. I, I think bet. they're doing fine without sponsoring people. Yeah. But nonetheless, they should be sponsoring us. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. That, that got me thinking now I'm like so many, so many kinds of, I don't think stock photos are bad. I think just having, having the right photo, even if it is a stock photo beats having yeah, like a bunch of, if all you have is your like skinny white friend uh, and photos of them, and that's not your customer that you're trying to attract, then like a stock photo is going to be a better solution um, for sure. Yeah, it's it's hard um, with stock photos, especially in some of the endurance sports stuff, because their version of what we do sometimes. It's so bad. <laughs> so bad. But like if, I, if we're looking for something that's for example, on menopause, when we first started that brand and we didn't have, it was hard to, it was hard to find stock photos of women in the age group. Mm -hmm. Right. So we would look at like, okay, well, let's put somebody where you just see like their knees down running, but it looks like they're running out in a beautiful place. Um, or let's put somebody where they're lifting away, but it's kind of far away and you can't tell what their age is. Mm -hmm. So really thinking about those things. And then, um, that's a little bit of the art of it, of, how does it, how does that photo make you feel when you see it overlays also can like really make a huge difference. Um, if you can drop an overlay on a photo that you're like, ah, eh, it doesn't really work, but then, you know, it makes it look wistful or something. Yep. Yep. Um, so even if you do have a, even if you already have a site, I think what we've just talked about is such a good reminder to do a site audit every once in a while, both you should be looking at your own site and I'll say like on the computer and on mobile at this point, like actually, yeah. How, how do you deal with that? With, I imagine with all the brands, you're not just thinking about the copy and how it's going to appear on the website when someone's looking at it on a laptop, but you also need to think about how the copy is going to look on mobile, because I know we've had that with, um, you know, with my consummate athlete, like coaching site, like on the mobile, you get so many less words that show up on the top. So you got to be real careful with what you're putting out there. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I say, uh, and it's like, I can't even remember the percentage, but of people that use sites on mobile, but it's pretty high. Um, and so, or maybe that's their first step to your site, right? They might come back and actually book or buy something uh, on the, the site. Um, uh, but yeah, that's why I like the less copy you can use actually is better. The, the less you can use to communicate your message. Um, a lot of those plug and play sites are uh, optimized for mobile. So it will go ahead and do that. You can also get plugins for WordPress that will do that. Uh, but always, always like if you don't know the trick, if you pull the window in your computer over, like if you keep pulling it over, it'll pull it into the mobile view of it or check it on your phone, obviously, and, and send it to friend. Like 
you are going to, things are like that you think make perfect sense because you've looked at this website for like a month. When they see it, they're going to be like, what does that mean? (laughs) Or that button doesn't work or, you know. Yeah. Honestly, even if you have to pay a friend like 50 bucks to just go through your site and like, yeah, catch those buttons that aren't working or like no weird text on the front thing, like so, so worth it. Oh my gosh. Um, This is another, like, before we move on from this, like a, a really important set for people that is so simple, but they don't realize it is the file size on your website matters. And so most people, when they find a photo, it's a really big photo. It's like between three and five megabytes. You can find all kinds of free online compressing tools. You want to make that photo as small as possible because the bigger the photo, the slower your website loads and like people will abandon your website um, because it loads slowly. And like, that's one of the other reasons I like Canva is because you can download like a smaller size automatically from Canva. Um, But that's a really small tip. (laughs) If you're like, why is my website loading so slowly when you open it? It's probably because your files are way too big on there. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, yet another reason Canva should be paying us. Canva's great because you can <laughs> you can drop your photo in, put it into the size that you actually want it to be. So if you want it to be more rectangular, you wanted it to be more square, or even if you wanted it to be a circle with like a transparent, back, you can do all of that stuff in Canva and then save it as a much tinier file size than the original. Yeah. Save it as a, P- a, a, a JPEG and it'll save it like much smaller than the size. We sh- the founder was a woman. Maybe we need to have her on the podcast. I think we might. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, okay. So that was all so much online stuff. The last thing I wanted to touch on with you is the online versus the planning in real life events that we're finally back to. I mean, you've gotten to do a couple for Girls Gone Gravel already. The Outspoken Summit is coming up. Um, how do you, how does one? Uh, manage to get their messaging right from online to in real life? Because I think in real life is actually where messaging can start getting tossed to the wayside a little bit because we're all very nervous public speakers and it's very easy to kind of miss our, like miss kind of sharing a vibe, I guess. So how do you make sure it all feels the same, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I start with the same process that going through just that, that, what I call the story brand process. And again, we'll get that a link to where you can just fill out one online. Um, and like, who's the person, what problem are we solving? And then try to find what is, what is that line or that message or that one thing that we're trying to get across. And then you just start pulling that in to everything. Like you're, you're going to feel like you said it 1 million times and somebody's going to be like, huh, just heard that for the first time because just because it's near and dear to your heart doesn't mean that other people are like getting it. And the more you repeat the same message and the same thing, um, you know, the more they're going to, to understand that. So, you know, for example, if I were a race director and you're like, well, it's, how does a race stand out? It might be, if you're really trying to attract, um, you know, moms to the race and you have like, there's some races now that have things set up for childcare. I'd be like the race where, where we value moms. So we provide, you know, this, this, and this, and you're going to say that. So like probably a hundred times to get that across. And you're going to say it at your event, you know, like we really value that you're here as mom. We know that you have to take extra steps to get out the door and to train. And, you know, we understand and, and you're important to us. Um, So I think like that's some of the ways that you can pull it through is finding your message and then saying it until you're like, I'm so sick of saying this, but all of a sudden somebody will be like, oh yeah, I just heard that for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's always amazing just how many times you have to say something before people actually remember it or hear it even for the first time, especially, you know, now I think, especially with Instagram and stuff, we always feel like, oh, we posted this once. So like, we've already put it out. We don't want to bother people with it, but you're like, no, like, most people didn't see that. Like 1% of your audience saw it. Yeah. And if you listen to our, most of our podcasts, I think you'll, you'll hear like at the very beginning, a tagline that we've worked for on 
for each podcast. Like I think yours has the tagline at the beginning of your podcast. It's pre-recorded by the hosts, right? But it gets dropped into every episode. And again, with Girls Gone Gravels, ours for women chasing everyday and epic adventures. And I was at an event and somebody was like, for girls chasing everyday and epic adventures, I listen to all your podcasts. Right? <laughs> so that that is when you know you're successful at your messaging, when people are coming up to you and repeating it back to you, when they know that that, that that's what you're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the last thing I wanted to touch on, on the online versus in real life, because we do have a lot of people who are, you know, maybe like yoga studio owners, physical therapists, like all of those who have websites and then in real life. And I think it's that you want the messaging and branding to feel cohesive throughout, right? Like the outspoken summit is going to feel very similar to the feeling you get on the website. And this could be brand colors, could be the fonts you're using for programs or like, you know, for your signage or whatever, but even just like the way you're, you're speaking, I think there's a lot of like YouTube and like podcasts out there where the the podcast host doesn't sound anything like they do on the show in real life. Um, I, I hope that uh, if anyone like meets me in real life, I pretty much sound exactly the same as I do on on all of both of my podcasts. And I'm very excited to get to meet you in a couple of months just to just check, check that box and make sure that you do as well. But uh, yeah, feelings on that cohesion piece. Yeah, I think like the the folks that are doing that the best is you know you've really thought through your your brand and and how people experience you and that's where I was talking about like the images you know matter um the colors matter that they would see that on your website and then you know walk into your yoga studio or your you know your um facility and it it looks the same as they see on the website a lot of times um especially things like physical therapy or gyms or uh, yoga studios. It's an intimidating experience for people to walk in for the first time and like, what's this place going to be like? So if you have like great uh, pictures of your spaces or people like enjoying your spaces, um, that can be a really powerful imagery that you can use on your website um, so that people like already feeling and experiencing that when they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that also like separates you from every other like gym that where everything is just kind of black and white with maybe a few motivational slogans on the wall. If like your website has a lot of like bright purple and turquoise and like super 90s vibe, if you have like a super cool 90s graffitied wall and purple and blue at the gym, like that's such a huge differentiator. So yeah, it's it's kind of amazing what kind of magic happens when everything kind of feels very together and like you have one cohesive message, which brings us to messaging. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Well, Catherine, I think we could talk forever. So I think we're going to have to have like a part two of this because I think this is a very important topic. Um, but uh, before we let you go, just tell everyone quickly where they can find you. And of course, where they can find all about the Outspoken Summit, which is also coming up. Yes. Yeah, so uh, for the Outspoken Summit, you can go to outspokensummit.com. That'll take you to the website for that. Uh, and that's going to be in Tempe, Arizona, the 11th through the 13th of November. And it's really for folks that would listen to this podcast. If you want to build your business and, and, and like our goal is for you to walk away from the summit and make more money next year. So to give you tools, time away, um, and the network you need to do that. Um, so head over there, uh, my personal Instagram and social media is mostly my dog. I really got into doing reels with my dog lately. Amazing. Um, so you may, if you love my dog, Belle, and you've ever heard about her, you can follow me at Catherine Margaret um, on Instagram. But if you want to kind of follow uh, the things I do, either follow Feisty Media or also Girls Gone Gravel, I am heavily involved in that brand because it was what I started and founded. And you can find me the podcast there where Christy and I really ramble. Molly's been a guest. <laughs> We're like so much fun. Zero preparation for our podcast. We just ramble and oh, it was fun. the best. Oh my gosh. That one was awesome. We'll have to include a link to that in the yeah. show notes if you want to hear all about cycling comfort and saddle stuff. Yes. That's one to listen to. <laughs> awesome. Catherine, thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. Yes. Thanks for having me. 
All right. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Catherine. I know I did. I'm actually recording this the day after we spoke. And let me tell you, I had a massive list of notes from the episode. I immediately put a few of them into place. I have notes on notes on notes on what I want to do based on everything that we talked about. And to me, a couple of the most valuable things are, first of all, just really honing that tagline, being willing to take the time carve out the time to do that work, um, you know, even if you do go back and change it. I think it's really worth spending that, you know, as as Catherine says, like half a day sometimes to figure out how to say what it is that you do in as few words as humanly possible, which is something that, as I said, I'm not great at. Uh, the other thought, thought that I thought was really fascinating was the idea of using stock photos if you don't necessarily have the exact right image for your website. Uh, Stock photos on places like Canva can be really excellent for getting your point across in a really visual way. Of course, that does not take the place of having a great tagline and very clear, concise description of what you do and a way that people can hire you. Uh, And really, the the last thing is is coming back to that, that why. I thought that was such a fascinating part when we talked in the beginning. There's so much boring work, even if you love what you do. And gosh, I can really relate to this. Even if you love what you do and you're so happy with your work. There's boring stuff. Uh, But if you have that why, if you have that problem you're solving for people, it's going to make things like working on your email newsletter or even doing your accounts a lot more fun. So having that, even writing it somewhere, uh, I actually ended up after talking about the the avatars of thinking about who your ideal customer is, I made a couple collages. I have them now printed and just right in front of me on my desk so I can see them while I'm working. And I think that's going to be a game changer for me. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, Definitely head over to feistymedia.com for all of the show notes for this episode. Check out outspokensummit.com. And of course, uh, you know, follow me over at Molly J. Herford. Follow Feisty Media. Follow all of the Feisty channels, including Girls Gone Gravel. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedda's.com and it will all be in the show notes. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, 
your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose.